Um, every time we have somebody that isn't um, one of the elders, one of the pastors here, um, we love to just pray for them, to commission them. Um, and this morning we have the lovely Alice Watts in preaching for us. Woo! And so I'm going to pray for Alice um, and then hand over to her. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Alice. Lord, we thank you for um, the incredibly rich deposit, um, Lord, that you've placed inside of her. Lord, thank you for what she carries in you. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you, um, Lord, have done a mighty work in her life. Lord, thank you that you are continuing to do that. And Jesus, we just pray that um, you would just anoint her with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would anoint us to be able to hear all that you are saying through her. And that, Jesus, we would receive her with such faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, So I'm Alice. For those of you that don't know me, I've been a part of this church now for over 10 years, which has gone so quickly. Um, And when I first started, it was, there was about 12 people. And as you can see now, there's a couple of hundred, which is amazing. And I was privileged enough. We've sent a few churches out. We've sent a a few churches, um, church. We've set up a few church plants around the world, and I was really privileged enough to go last week to see the Salis. They've been plant. They've planted. Well, they're going to be planting a church out in the Middle East, and so I was privileged enough to go and see them. They're doing really well, and they send their love to all of you. It was really heartwarming to see them, and they've been out there for a year now, and they're doing really well. But we are looking at the book of Philippians today. We're in chapter one. And we've had two weeks so far of the series. If you've missed out, it will be online. And we had a guest preacher, Goff, come and preach a couple of weeks ago. And he looked at um, the joy of the church and how we have one common goal together. And that is to see Christ and the gospel proclaimed. And then Rich last week looked at um, Paul preaching from prison, um, writing to the the Philippians um, from prison. Um, So the Philippians are the people of Philippi and the church that he planted. And he's now writing from prison, we think, in Rome. And he's writing them this letter. And Rich looked at how he could have joy in his suffering in prison because because of his being in prison, the gospel was being preached more. So people were emboldened to go out and preach more. So he was joyful because his first... Um, aim in life was that the gospel was preached it wasn't for his own freedom so he cared more that the gospel was being preached and it was so he could be happy in any circumstance and now we're looking at the end of this passage and it is so rich be ready hold on to your seats because this is such a rich passage and it's a real game changer and it will really help us to change our thinking I think all the the song so far and all the words and the way the Holy Spirit's been working so far is so on point, of course it is, um, because this passage is really going to help us to look to the future in a godly way and um, it will really help us to, especially if we're going through difficult times, this is an amazing passage, if you're going through a difficult time or if you're going to be in the future, it's going to prepare you for that. And I've asked Michael to come and read it to us because he's so good at reading the word. Um, So thank if you could come up, Michael. I'm reading from the ESV, Philippians 1, uh, verses 18 to 30. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. 
For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honoured in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labour for me, Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to you or see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Michael. Wow. It's rich, eh? I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. I thank you for this truth. I pray you open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you've got for us today. Let us, let us really understand and get to grips with this word so that we can be transformed by it and that we can go out and have a godly perspective on the future, no matter what circumstances we might face, Lord, and that we might have joy, Lord, no matter what circumstances we might face. And I pray for your help. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would help me to, to um, teach and guide and direct in this word in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So I'm going to look at a few different areas of this. Obviously, you could probably do a sermon on each different verse. Like, there's so much in here. Um, But don't worry, we're not going to be here all day. I'm just going to pick out a few things that are going to help us in the way that we think. And one of those things is, or a couple of those things, is certainty and uncertainty. So Paul is certain about some things, and he's uncertain about other things. And the way that he views these these things helps him to have a, a godly perspective on the future... And it helps him to, in the way that he loves the church, and it also helps him in the way that he lives a life worthy of the gospel. So we're going to look at those things. And the things that he is certain of, if we read in the first, um, he says, Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, the word deliverance here in in the Greek, in the translation, actually also translates as salvation. So he knows, he is certain that the prayers of the saints and the help of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ are going to work together in combination for his deliverance and for his salvation. That is something that he is certain of. That's amazing, isn't it? Think how powerful our prayers are that they combine with the Holy Spirit to bring salvation for our brothers and sisters around the world and even here 
Isn't that amazing? It's no wonder that Paul prays all the time. You know, we hear him throughout the, the scriptures. I'm praying for this person. I'm praying. I'm always keeping you in prayer. And it's like, this is powerful stuff. This prayer has an impact. It brings salvation. It brings deliverance to people in combination with the Holy Spirit. And it's really encouraging. So he's certain that the prayers of the saints and the Holy Spirit are going to work out. So he doesn't know what the future looks like, but he knows that he's going to have deliverance and, that, and salvation. And that could mean execution. He's in prison, so he could be executed. But that essentially means salvation because he's going to meet Jesus face to face, right? Or it could mean deliverance from prison in the physical sense, and he has freedom and he can go back and visit the Philippians again. Either way, salvation to him and, and deliverance. There's some, a couple of other things that he's certain of that he can hold on to, and that's earlier on in the chapter in verse 6. Um, he said that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He is God who begins, when you choose to become a Christian and you f- choose to follow Jesus, God puts his Holy Spirit inside of you and begins this work. So he knows that God's working in him, and he will bring it to completion, and he will be faithful because our God is faithful. And so he knows that that's a truth he can hold on to and he can be certain of. And also Romans 8.28 says everything works together for the good of those who love him. Um, And we know that God works all things together for his glory and for our good. So these are truths that when we're going through hard times, we can really get hold of these truths and say, we know that everything is going to work for good and for God's glory. We know he started a work in us. And we know that the prayers of the saints and the Holy Spirit are working together for our deliverance and our salvation. Isn't that amazing? These are things we can be certain of, no matter what happens. And then there's uncertainty. So he's saying that he... he, I can't get my bearings on this. Um, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. So he is eagerly expecting and hoping, but he's not 100% sure... That he, will, that he will be found faithful. He wants to remain faithful. He wants to meet Jesus on, on the last day and be, remain faithful and courageous. That's what he's saying. That is his aim. And he's eagerly expecting it and hoping that that's the case. But he doesn't 100% sure, surely know. But his eager expectation is him saying, I'm going to take personal responsibility for this. This is not just something that's going to happen. I have to eagerly expect and hope. And the word eagerly expect, the translation is to, to uh, is, is translated as the head watching and away. So like, it's like the, the fake, turning his head to face. He's setting his face. Like we were saying earlier, to set your face, to set your gaze on this is, this is the road and the race that I'm running this is what I want. I want, G- I want the gospel to be preached and I want Jesus to be glorified through my life and I want to remain faithful until the end and honour him with everything that I do. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, I have a personal responsibility to remain faithful to the end and I will eagerly expect and hope that I will do that. And it's taking personal responsibility for, for the things that we can take responsibility for. And the literal translation here is that Christ will be enlarged in his body, that everything he does, Christ is going to be honoured by what he does. And Paul, when we were talking earlier about not being caught up with the present circumstances, and I know I'm so guilty of this. We just get so caught up in the day-to-day, the busyness, the worries and the weights of this world, and it weighs us down, and we forget that there's eternity. There's an eternity with Jesus, and, and that's so much more weighty. And we want Christ to be honoured by our lives, don't we? Don't we? we want to be him to be honoured by our testimony. And... um. 
Sometimes when things are hard and when things happen, we just think, God, why is this happening? I don't understand. Like, how can this happen to me? And we really need to change our thinking the way that Paul does and think, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I'm in prison. I can be joyful in prison because you're going to work this for good. You are going to, you're going to use this opportunity. And so when we're going through dark, dark times and hard times, we can say, instead of saying, why is this happening to me? I don't understand. This is really awful. We can say, Lord, I don't understand why this is happening, but I want you to work it for your glory. How can I glorify you in this situation? We can change our thinking. How are you going to work your glory? Because I know you are, because you're going to work everything for good, because you've promised that, and I know that I can be certain of that. So how can I glorify you with the, with the responsibilities that I have to remain faithful? How can I remain faithful? And it's liberating. We, start, we take our eyes off ourselves and we look up and we think, gosh, God can do amazing work in this and he can transform a situation and totally turn it on its head. And it's amazing. And we give him access to do that. And Paul is progressively just giving more and more of his life away so that he can say that to live is Christ and to die is gain because he's always giving away his, his life and he's always... Um, just giving away material things. He's giving away his reputation. He doesn't mind about his reputation. It can be gone because his primary concern is that Jesus is preached, that the gospel is preached and that Jesus is made known. And so that is why he can say to live is Christ and to die is gain because he's given everything else away. For him, to know Jesus is the ultimate. He doesn't see the things of this world as more valuable than Jesus. He's seen, he's tasted, and he's seen God is good, and he's so much better than anything this world has to offer us. So he freely can give his even his life away because he knows that by gaining Jesus, he's gaining everything in Jesus. And so he can say to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's essentially, he's a river. I see him as like a river, and I see us as a river. Like, he's in prison, and Jesus is here, and he knows no matter where he goes, he's going to end up with Jesus. That is his goal, and that is his destination, because he's been saved. And he could go the short way, and through execution, which might happen, and just go directly to Jesus and no salvation. Or he could go the long way and stay... Uh, stay on this earth a bit longer and and be with more Christians and plant more churches. But in the end, he's still going to end up here with Jesus, isn't he? And he's saying here that he he knows that it's for God's glory that he stays. So he says, um, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, which means fruitful labor for me, which I cannot choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. It's more necessary for him and for them, for the church, that he stays and that he blesses them and he teaches them and he strengthens them. So he's going to stay because he knows it's going to glorify God and it's going to bless them. And it's hard sometimes for us to see, for us to just think, oh, we just give our lives away because things are precious, Right? Our lives are precious and our people in our lives are really precious and we can't just, we can't just think, oh, I just want to die and be with Jesus because these things are really precious to us and I'm not saying that they're not because our lives are precious every day. This day is precious. This is a gift from God. This day, the people that are in this room, everyone is precious and, and they're valuable and I'm not saying that they're not but I'm saying God is so much more valuable. He's so much more valuable and it's when we start to hold these things, these people in our lives tightly and then we start to think, oh, no, no, but I can't let you have this, God, because this is really important. 
and I can't, no, I just can't survive without this thing and you're not allowed to have, you're not allowed into this area of my life. That's when we lose our way, we lose focus because we haven't got our gaze on God and these things are all gifts. They're gifts that we are allowed and been given the privilege to enjoy, but they're not ours to keep forever because everything will pass away. Everything will pass away and, and we, will, we will live in eternity with him, but the things of this world will pass away. And so we aren't to hold them too tightly. We have this eternal perspective um, because it's God's, put, God's given us that because we know we're born meant to, to live forever. We're born with a sense of like we're meant to live together in Ecclesiastes, it says that God has set eternity on men's hearts. There's something in us that we know we're meant to live together. And um, we kind of know we've got this life. If you believe in the Bible, we've got this lifespan of, of say, 70 years, if, if we're blessed, to, to make a decision whether we're going to live with God or without him. And everyone will live for eternity, but it'll be whether they choose to live in this life with him or without him. And we've got this decision. There's an urgency, like we were saying. There's an urgency. We've got this decision to make in this lifetime. If you don't know Jesus now, you you have this this decision to make in this lifetime, whether you're going to walk with him or walk without him. And once you die, that's where you're going to be heading, either way. Um, And I had this image as I was preparing this talk of just this person just piling up all these treasures on earth, like this reputation. I've got this really good reputation. And then... They've got really good qualifications. Yep, I've got that. And then oh, they've got a family. Yep, they've got a, a spouse and kids. Yep, got that. Tick that box. And it's like the world keeps telling us these are the things that are going to make us happy. So, And these things are good. I'm not saying they're not good things. These things are beautiful things. But when we add them up and we get to heaven and, and then God says, these are great things, but you never gave me your heart. All I wanted was your heart and your affection and your love and devotion, and you never gave me any of it. I don't know you. How scary is that? That we could just amass all these things in this life and think we're doing really well and the world will tell us, you're doing great. You've got a great great reputation. You're having some great holidays there. Great. (laughs) You know? But then we get to heaven and he say, where where were you? I was seeking you out. I was pursuing you and you were ignoring me. Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, he needs to deny himself, take up his cross and follow him and um, it's really sobering to think what are we holding as more important uh, as, than our relationship with God and, and the gospel being preached what is it we need to see what's filling our vision instead of him and, and, and the gospel Rich helpfully explained the gospel earlier but there's some people in this room that don't know the gospel you haven't heard you've just come because you've been invited or you're intrigued and you've come and you want to know more about who Jesus is and what is this gospel why are people willing to lay down their lives I mean this is crazy right that someone would want to give up their life for this thing called the gospel what is it so I'm going to give it to you in a nutshell and if you want to know more please come and talk to me or any of the leaders at the end because we would love to tell you more about Jesus because he is amazing and he will transform your life but as Christians we believe that Jesus is more than a man he's more than a prophet that he existed for eternity he has existed for eternity and he, everything was created by him and for him and through him and every breath that we take is his we believe this is what the Bible teaches us. And we believe that we, as Rich was saying, we chose um, to live without him. We chose that we, we thought, hey, we can do this on our own. I can get a job, earn some money, I can do life on my own. I don't need God. Who needs God? 
you know, is there even a God? I'm going to do this by myself. And we've, we've all got this rebellion in us, this, this kind of bent sense of we can do this by ourselves, we don't need God. But God, in his mercy, sent his one and only son to come and save us. Hallelujah. We are not without hope. He's come to save us. And he gave up his divinity in heaven to come down and live as, as, as in, in the flesh on earth and live the perfect, perfect, holy life, fulfilling all of God's laws, every single one of them. And he died, the, he died and took all of our sin, all of our rebellion, all of our shame, and the punishment that we deserved, he took on his, in his body and put it to death at the cross. All of our sin, all of our shame was put to death on the cross and he overcame death. He overcame death, hallelujah. And he was risen to life so that anyone who believes in him, anyone, has the right to be called a child of God, has the right to be delivered from death, to be delivered from sin, that their sins are wiped from them as far as east is from west, that their sins don't count against them and they can count against them and they can be restored into this loving relationship to, with the father that they were meant to, that they were born to have that we were when we choose to become a christian we, we repent we turn away from our sins and we turn to jesus and he fulfills us in every single way that we can have complete satisfaction complete satisfaction in him complete peace do you know that peace i don't i've been a christian like 12 13 years and i can't even explain the peace that comes when you know jesus there's this restlessness, a restlessness when you don't know him. And when you know him and you accept him into your heart, you have peace that no, nothing in this world can replace. No amount of comfort or fun in this world can ever replace that. And, and then we have this freedom. We're set free because we're free from death. We don't need to be scared of death anymore because death just means being with Jesus. So we can be confident. And that's why we're so excited about the gospel because it's incredible. It's an incredible bit of good news. And um, with this, this perspective, godly perspective, looking to the future, um, Paul can, he can look to the future with certainty. He can hold on to these certainties. And even in the uncertain times, he can be confident that the prayers of the saints, the Holy Spirit, are going to work together for his deliverance. And, and from that place, he can give his life to the church so he can um, lay down his life for the church. And we, too, can do that. So he's choosing to sacrifice being with Jesus. He's saying, it's better for me that I stay with you now. And we can do that for each other. We can lay down our lives for each other. So we can look to the future and say, do you know what? It's better that, that we serve each other, that we lay down our lives for each other, and that Christ is glorified. It's more important than my own desires and my own selfish ways. And there's so much strength in unity. We need each other. We really need each other. We need to, to pray for each other. Paul needed the Philippians to pray for him, right? And they needed him to teach them. There's this, God just weaves us together so beautifully that we actually need each other to progress. We can't do it on our own. We can't come to church and think, I'm just going to get more of God. I just want teaching and I want good worship. It's just going to be me and God and we're going to have a great time. It doesn't work like that, does it? We actually need each other. And you know what? The most difficult relationships you're facing right now in the church, they're going to be ones that shape you the most because they're going to be the ones that show you where your heart is broken and where your heart is is caught up in sin it's the difficult people that teach us the most right and then teach us how to love how to really love and lay down our lives and so what does it look like 
What does it look like to live a life worthy of the gospel? So verse um, 27, it says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit. Hey, stand firm. Great song. With one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This is glorious. So we are all citizens in heaven. Once you believe and you choose to trust in God, we're all on equal ground. There is no one that is more holy or better than the next. The people that, even me standing up here or anyone in the band or rich, no one is more holy than the next person. Every single person here in this room is on equal ground. If you've chosen to trust in Jesus, we're all equal. There's no one better than anyone else. And we're all citizens of heaven. And I feel like, as I was... um, preparing this I felt really stirred just reminded of how much division there is and how much racism there is that's come out of the the woodworks as it were in the last five years with everything that's happening with Brexit with these attacks these terrorist attacks and even with Grenfell Tower there's just this racism there's there's just this ugliness it's so ugly and it's not acceptable in any form but you know what how you know how the darkness has has almost cause the light to come more do you know what i mean like there's unity that's come that neighborhoods are standing side by side rich and poor every single race you know in the manchester bombing they had jews and muslims standing next to each other praying together there's something about the unity and it's really beautiful because we know there's something of heaven in that in the unity there's something beautiful of heaven in that unity and and they've, they've got good causes it's good it's absolutely honourable to stand against racism and we will not stand for any of it. But think how much more great and perfect and beautiful the cause is and, it, it, and all these things get included in it. Justice against racism. How much more bigger and greater is the cause of the gospel? that if we stand side by side in unity, in strength, and we're all moving together, like, it's powerful. And, it's, and like, I'm impressed when I see the unity marches after Brexit because people are standing in unity and standing against racism and standing against bigotism and all this stuff. I'm impressed. Think how much more impressive it is that we stand together for this cause that's the greatest cause and the world has ever known. This is the gospel. This is, this is what saves lives, what brings people out of darkness into light, what restores people from a life of, of, of sin, a life of addiction, a life of shame and, and, and sickness. And they're brought in the healed. When you come in to, to know Jesus, you can be healed of sickness. You can be restored from your shame. You can, you can come out of addiction. Addiction can be broken by the power of God. This is the cause that we're proclaiming. Think how amazing it is when we stand together as one and we charge ahead. It's beautiful. And um, there's something in us that really longs for unity. And, and, and he also talks about fear. Now, fear is a biggie. Um, so verse 28, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Not frightened of anything. Fear is a powerful, powerful weapon that the devil uses against us to silence us, to bring division, to bring hatred, to stop us running free in what God's got for us. And you know, timidity is deeply, deeply ingrained in our society. I know it's deeply ingrained in me. I really struggle with it. It's hard to be bold. 
And, and we have this anxiety that we're going to offend people all the time. I've struggled from the day I became a Christian, even before I became a Christian. I've struggled with, oh, I don't want to offend them, so I won't talk about Jesus just yet. I'll just get to know them first. And I think my wisdom, yeah, I'll do it this way. And, I've, and I kind of fabricate all these ways, and I end up getting here, and I haven't even told them who Jesus is. I haven't even told them how they can get life. And our wisdom is, is not right. <laughs> and Jesus just says, you need to trust him and follow him. The Holy Spirit will give us words of wisdom for people. He will lead us to, to be able to give the gospel. And, um, you know, it's politically incorrect to be a Christian and to proclaim the gospel in our day and age. That's the truth, right? It's politically incorrect. It's, it's considered politically incorrect even within you know, my close friends and family, if I proclaim the gospel and say that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, that is offensive and politically incorrect. Let's just face it. That is. And people will put us in the same extremist box as racists and bigots because they think, well, you're an extreme person. That's, I'm just going to put you in that box. But do you know what? The most glorious thing is there is a difference between us and there are other extremists in that box. And that is love. We have the greatest love the world has ever known inside of us. So we cannot physically fit into that box. Because we don't just go and shove the Bible down people's faces and say, this is how you're going to save, otherwise you're going to die. You know, that's not how we, that's not, we love people. We lay down our lives. We have, we have cap where we help people get out of debt. We, we feed the poor. We give away our lives. We're giving away our possessions. We lay down our lives. We serve each other. We bless each other. We love people with the love that changes the world and love of Jesus that is powerful inside of us. We don't do it in our own strength. There is a love inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can love people, and we can't be contained into that box because people will see us and think, wow, look how they've just given up. They've just given their car away. How did, how did they give the car Oh my, wow. You know, they've just given up their job because they, they thought that that was going to lead them into a place where they might have an affair. That is amazing. This is amazing, the way that people are sacrificing for the gospel. And that is love. And that is what people, that's what's going to transform people. It says that people will see, um, it's a clear sign. Not being frightened of anything and being unified is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation. People will see. It's like we're on this train together. We're proclaiming Jesus. We're saying he is the way, the truth, and the life. Come with us. And they're kind of looking at us thinking, wow, you have love. You have unity. You're fearless. You are so beautiful and impressive. I'm going to come with you. People will see. It will be like a conviction in their heart of like... I can see that the way I'm going is just actually heading to destruction and you're heading to salvation and it will bring conviction. How amazing is that? That our fearlessness and our unity and striving together side by side is going to bring conviction in people's hearts that they might see the truth and know that Jesus is the way and that they might come and be saved. And it's terrifying. Persecution is terrifying. But um, John, 1 John 4.18 says, and perfect love drives out all fear. So if you're scared of things today and you're scared, you don't need to be scared because his perfect love can cast out your fear because fear has to do with punishment and Jesus has taken our punishment. We don't need to be scared anymore. And as we let his love come into our life, fear just is cast out. We don't even need to do anything. We just let his love come in and fear evaporates. And that's why it's a hallmark of Christianity, persecution. 
people, if you think about the saints gone before us, the apostles, Paul, they're persecuted. But do you know what's also a hallmark is their ability to stand up under it. The Holy Spirit gives us this amazing strength to stand up under persecution. So how can we be fearless? Let's face it, there's some scary things in this world. How can we be fearless? What are the things that we can be certain of? We can be certain that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. The Holy Spirit will give us boldness. We can ask him for boldness. And the prayers of the saints, we need each other to pray for each other for boldness. These are things that we can be certain of. Please don't forget who you are in God. If you've given your life, don't forget how powerful your testimony is. I think I've got Revelation 12, um, Nicola, up there. It says, Revelation 12, 11. They, the church, triumphed over him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb, that's Jesus, and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. The word of our testimony is powerful. The blood of the lamb is what brings us salvation. The word of our testimony is powerful to bring salvation to others. How amazing is that scripture? That's beautiful. So we can be fearless and we can, and we can stand together in unity. And I'm going to wrap this up because I know that we've only got a few minutes left. But um, the final thing he talks about is suffering. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict you saw that I had. And there's suffering that we have to face in this world, not only persecution, and, and we don't really suffer from persecution, do we, in this Compared to other countries where they're tortured and, and killed for, for believing in Jesus, we're pretty tame here. It's pretty tame. But there is persecution in this world. But it's not just persecution. There's, there's a suffering that comes for the gospel where we sacrifice. We sacrifice our lives for the gospel. And we don't run after material things. We say no to temptation. Because we know that that's going to lead us on a path to destruction. And it's hard you know, it's really hard living a life. The, narrow, the path is narrow. It really is. And sometimes it's painful. And we lose things. We do lose things. So even just seeing the Salis, they've, they've lost the kind of the community that they had here. They've sacrificed that to go and preach the word and to love people in their country. That's beautiful. But they've, that's a big sacrifice that they've made. And all the other churches that we've planted, they've made a sacrifice of losing deep friendships, not losing in the sense that we're still in contact, but they don't see us every day. That's hard. You know, we've got each other, we're here, and we can love and bless each other and pop around each other's house for a cup of tea if you're feeling sad. It, when you go and you plant church, that's hard. When you say no to temptation, it's hard. When you, when you break addiction and, and, and try and you try and stop having addiction you can only do it by the power of the holy spirit but it's still hard it's really hard something that might have been ingrained in you for years and years and years you can only break it by the power of god and it's still going to be painful it's going to be hard so you know following jesus is going to bring suffering but i've just got one more verse for you so 1 peter 4 1 says, therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Isn't this incredible? Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. How incredible is that, that suffering can arm us? 
Suffering can be protection for us. Isn't that crazy? That actually, as we suffer, we're getting protected in the spiritual realm. And it kind of makes sense, because as you suffer and as you sacrifice and as you give things up, you're actually stopping from sinning. So you do cease from sin. But there's this protection that comes from suffering. And God, you almost kind of want more. Don't you say, well, I want more armor. I need more spiritual armor. Give me more suffering because I know it's going to make me stronger in Christ. And you know, I can see, do you know what? I can see in people's eyes when I'm walking down the street if they've suffered or not because there's a depth and there's a supernatural strength on them. If they've suffered, people are changed and they either are changed in the sense that they have so, if they're believers, that they're so mighty in God, or you can change to be bitter. You can choose to be bitter and, and kind of go down that way. But God can bring beauty and strength through suffering, and He does. And he can, you can cease from sinning through suffering. How beautiful is that? So what is it to live a life worthy of the gospel? It's being unified as a church. We can be unified. Don't let division and hard-heartedness and unforgiveness dictate our future as a church. We are only as strong as the weakest member of this church. If there's division and bitterness happening in this church right now, it's going to stop all of us from advancing. We are all on the same page, and we all need to be unified together to be able to to run this race and move together and advance the gospel and bring the kingdom. And it will be a sign to the world of their destruction and they will come and they will run to us. They'll run to Jesus and run to the the sanctuary of the church and know freedom and know forgiveness and know love. So we can stand together, we can sacrifice for each other and lay down our lives for each other and people are going to look on and be amazed. And we can be fearless and even fearless in suffering to the point of death because it's beautiful, because our inheritance is beautiful. And, the, and, and as we suffer and as we, we step out in faith and we sacrifice for the, kingdom, for the kingdom of God, we're gaining an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. As we suffer for the kingdom, we're getting an inheritance in heaven and we're getting an armour, we're getting a spiritual armour as we suffer And we're building his kingdom. And you know what? We can be joyful because as we step out in faith for the kingdom, people will hear the truth of God. They will hear the gospel and they'll hear the power of God and their lives will be transformed and they will come in. The lost will come in and they'll come to know Jesus. There are thousands and thousands of Christians that have gone before us and have suffered and we're standing on their shoulders and we need to take it to the next level and we need to reach out to our friends and family and the people and the places that God has placed you so that more people can hear the truth and be set free and come to know Jesus, our King, the King who raises people from the dead and heals the sick. This is who they need to know. And we can hold on to these certainties when, it, when times get hard, hold on to the truths and the promises of God, no matter what comes, no matter what uncertainties come. And know that whatever happens, God is with us. We're never going to be alone. If you've chosen to put your faith in Jesus, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me will never walk in darkness. No matter how dark it gets, you're going to have the light of Jesus with you if you've chosen to follow him. And it's glorious. And he will never leave you. You'll never be alone. And God will be with you forever. So I'm going to pray. And maybe can reflect on areas of our lives where we're holding fear as bigger than God. That we're fearful of things. And they're actually stopping us from being free. Or maybe we're not walking in unity. There's, there's bitterness or hardness of heart or unforgiveness that's stopping us from being unified.
we can ponder on those things. I thank you, Jesus, for this word, for this passage. I thank you that we've been able to briefly look at some of the treasures that you have inside of these words, Lord, that the power that it brings us to help us to look to the future with resurrected eyes, just to see things as you see them and to be fearless of the future, no matter what may come, because we know that you are with us and that that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and will give us boldness and courage that is beyond human capability and that we can be unified and strive and advance together as a church, glorifying you with every step and, and dying to ourselves so that you might live in us and through us and that you might bring your kingdom and bring your truth to more people. We long for you, for your gospel to be shared with more people, and for, for your love to be shared with more people, and for more unity and beauty to come into this world, and restoration and salvation. God, we need more of you, and the world needs you. So I pray that you use these words to transform us and equip us and help us where we're blind and where we're weak and where we're poor, to, to see things as you see them and have joy have joy no matter what circumstances may come, Lord, because we're with you and you're with us and you will never leave us. Mm-hmm.